welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Well, good morning, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages. Happy Monday to you. Um, I am drunk. I will tell you that right now. I'm going to do my best to carry on and provide for you a reasonable facsimile of the Ralph Report on this Monday. But I have to admit, I have been overserved and I have very little sleep. And the reason behind that is there was a football game yesterday, in case uh, any of you missed it. I know we have a lot of listeners in the UK and in Canada, but for those of you in the United States of America, you may not even have uh, paid attention yourselves, but I did because it was the uh, championship for the National Football League. The NFL has a game every year called the Super Bowl, and yesterday two combatants entered the ring and only one left. It was the New England Patriots, uh, really thought of as the best team in the NFL with the uh, greatest player of all time, Tom Brady, and then a bunch of just uh, a scrappy bunch of kids from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania called the Eagles, and what do you know? The Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, and if you know anything about me by now, you got to know that as a proud son of Philadelphia, it was a pretty big deal for me yesterday for the first time in franchise history for that team to win the Super Bowl. So uh, I had uh, family and friends over yesterday, well into the evening, uh, even into this morning, and I grabbed a little sleep and I'm up. And I'm talking to you, but uh, my heart and my soul is still reliving that game over and over again because it was just ridiculous. It was it was a movie. It was a motion picture happening in real life. How um, they had the lead, and then the uh, the uh, the Patriots came back and they took the lead, and it looked like they were had the game well in hand. And then there was a big defensive play where uh, Brandon Graham came in and. Uh, stripped the ball out of Tom Brady's hands and the Eagles were able to recover that fumble and that pretty much changed the complexion of the game right there at the end and boy it's uh it's a big deal and uh, I am over the moon and I'm excited and so many of you by the way I gotta give a shout out to you folks in the Garmy so many folks who didn't even give a rat's ass about the game or football knew of my love for the Philadelphia Eagles and reached out and uh, sent very kind texts and uh, tweets and emails, just an outpouring of love. It's been a particularly good year for me. As bad as uh, 2017 ended, 2018 is starting off pretty terrific with the Ralph Report and then with my team winning the Super Bowl. So, And again, I wouldn't make this much of a big deal about it if it wasn't uh, first time ever. Um, and if, uh, if you're a kid from Philly like myself and you've grown up for all these years following and rooting for this team and being disappointed time and time again 
for this to finally happen. If you're if you're a fan of anything, uh, sports or uh, even if you're a nerd and you've got a certain franchise that you love, uh, you know what it's like when certain moments come along that hit you right in the feels. And this is one of them for me. So I will try not to dwell for too long, but we are going to talk to my buddy Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports in just a minute. We're going to talk about the game. We're going to touch base on the actual ins and outs of that game. And I'm going to work on warming my voice up. And we're going to carry on with the rest of the show. We've got Showbiz Beat. We have the first uh, highlight of my sit-down interview I did last week with my buddy John Cryer. You know John from Pretty in Pink, of course, and Two and a Half Men. Such a great guy and a really interesting cat, too. A lot of stuff we talked about had nothing to do with showbiz. And there's a lot going on in his head that you're going to want to... uh, take part in so stick around for all that but first and foremost i think i gotta call up my friend sylvester stallone because he's a he's a pretty good eagles fan in his own right i I gotta get his take on this to see what was going on luckily i've got his number here hello sly it's ralph garman here how are you I know. I'm, I'm overjoyed. I cannot believe that uh, our Philadelphia Eagles are the Super Bowl champions. I know. And, like, and that girl who's playing quarterback for the other team. <laughs> it wasn't a girl at all. It was Tom Brady. Maybe the greatest quarterback ever. I don't know. He looked pretty sad, you know. It was all over. It's like, he's, he's hanging with his head down, you know. And, you know, he tried to catch a ball in the game, you know. But I think he was worried about his manicure. So I don't think that's why he caught the ball so good. I know. It was crazy because they tried to throw him a pass during the game. And then moments later, the Eagles did the same thing with Nick Foles and scored a touchdown. Yeah, it was a lot better, you know, for Philly, for like the Philadelphia team to be doing that. You know, so I'm like, yo, Philly, we did We did indeed, Sly. And I got to think as a Philadelphia icon, you got to be happy, right, with the, the outcome? I'm already thinking sequel, you know, like next year we do it again, only this time, you know, we bring the team back, but, you know, like this time New England comes back, but they got like a giant Russian quarterback, you know, and it's like really tough, like, I will break you, and then we got to do it, and then there's like a third one, and then, you know, like a fourth one, and then like the old, you know, the old quarterback comes back, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to think about it. The next Super Bowl right now. Let's hold off on the sequels. Let's just enjoy this one while it lasts, all right? All right. But I'm saying you're leaving money on the table, you know? I'll, uh, that's good enough for me. Thank you, Sly. Take care. All right. Uh, you know what? I got one more phone call I got to make real quick. I just want to talk to um, Coach Belichick from the other team. He was He did not look happy. And I just want to see if... I don't know if... He's okay. He just seemed concerned. I was concerned about him last night. He just, in, in, in wake of the loss, he seemed really bummed out. Hello, is uh, Coach Belichick there, please? Yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering, um, Coach, this is uh, Ralph Garman with the Ralph Report. If, if you wouldn't mind, just a real quick word. Okay. Uh, last night's game, the, uh, the Super Bowl, it seemed like uh, you were surprised about how well the Eagles were playing, and perhaps your team was a little caught off guard by the uh, the, the potent offense of the Eagles. 
And um, it also seemed as if uh, the defense perhaps was surprising. Tom Brady seemed a little off his usual brilliant game. He threw some passes that uh, completely missed the mark. He overthrew some players. Um, did you have any concerns about his play at all? No. All right. Okay. Well, Coach, it was a great game, and um, congratulations on all your success, but just uh, maybe the Eagles were the better team this time around. Nah. Okay, fair enough. Well, here's a guy who may not know as much about football as Coach Belichick, but he knows a lot. He is my buddy Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports. He is the sports guy here on the Ralph Report. I call him Buzz, and that's why the segment's called What's the Buzz? Jay Busby, I got to tell you, I am still on cloud nine from last night. I am, uh, I am a little drunk still. I have not stopped much since this morning, and I got to tell you, what a Super Bowl game, right? Even if you're not an Eagles fan, what a game. My first question to you, are you doing this from the top of a light post somewhere? Did you find a light post to climb no, and, he, uh, and celebrate your Eagles? They grease them up, you know. They grease them so you can't <laughs> quite climb up on them. But I got to tell you, uh, the, the most, uh, most yardage, most offensive yardage ever in a playoff game, if I'm not mistaken. Right, right. Tom Brady threw for more yards than any playoff quarterback ever. It was if this if you like playing Madden games on easy with all of the settings set to score as much as possible, you love this game because there was no there was no defense. It was just with the exception of the of the game game changing uh, strip sack at the end, there was no defense whatsoever. And it was it, it was a lot of fun to watch. I'm sure it was a lot of fun to live uh, from your perspective. Well, no, it was it was it was nerve wracking and it, it was it was a nightmare to live. Because the first half, you know, we had a double-digit lead and looked like we were going to be able to hold them off with, you know, a certain amount of defense. And then, of course, Belichick makes his legendary halftime adjustments, and they came out just looking like a brand new team. And it was a battle all the way down. And I think a lot of people, including myself, expected more of a defensive battle than what actually happened last night. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that it, that that Philly's defensive line was going to be the key here. They they ended up being the case, but not until about 58 minutes into the game. This was a this was a game where every single thing that both teams tried worked perfectly, with only minor exceptions. When when Philadelphia scores on one of this ridiculous pitch back reverse quarterback uh, <laughs> receiver play, I mean, you know that things are going right. You know that Doug Peterson, the coach, is living right. It was it was so much fun to watch, and uh, it was obviously painful for you but uh for anyone watching this game i think it was it was a thrill well yes the difference is our quarterback can catch a ball and the exactly. quarterback can't although <laughs> i thought when they made that insane ridiculous interception on the three yard line with that batted ball in the air i said okay here we go once again the yes. football gods are just going to make the new england patriots just win again because I was uh, I was n- deliberately not going to say anything to you. I wasn't going to text you. I wasn't going to tweet at you because, as you know, I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. I have seen the other side of this. Yes. I have had the boa constrictor wrap around my neck before I realized it was there. And then and so yeah, I mean, I'm still I, honestly, dude, I'm still not even sure the Patriots aren't going to win this Super Bowl. That's how <laughs> that's how spooked I am from you know, last year. And you mentioned the last few minutes, and that's when Brady and Belichick will kill you when you think yes. you, you when you think you're still in the game or maybe even ahead. That's when they rise up like a cobra and they strike and kill you. And that's when I felt when we were able to to when Graham went in there and got that strip st- strip sack. I said maybe this we have a chance because that's the kind of play usually New England makes on the other side of the ball that changes the direction of the game. 
Right, right. You you had that exact moment. You know that the turnover is coming, but even that didn't quite do it. I mean, I was not sure even until I saw the ball hit the turf on that final play. They go and throw a Hail Mary pass. The ball's bobbling around there in the end zone. It falls just out of Gronkowski's grasp. I mean, the Patriots have got us all so absolutely spooked that even mentioning their name in the second half makes you think that they could do it. But but finally, the Eagles came through. They did what they needed to do, and, and they proved that the Patriots are mortal. And you got to say, Doug Peterson, what a ballsy coach oh, this guy God. is, right? He's going to have to buy a second seat on the flight back home for his balls, man. <laughs> I mean, I love that play, Colin. I love it. Going for it on fourth down. Going for it, uh, you know, fourth down right there in the end zone. Going for it on fourth down in, in their own territory. I mean, it was, it was tough stuff, but they did it. They pulled it off. Yeah, Doug Peterson ought to be the model for coaches going forward. And that response play... That, that pass to, to Foles in the end zone for a touchdown yes. after the uh, the Patriots had tried their own pass to a quarterback, which fell short. I mean, it's it was almost like karma. It was almost like, really? You think you can try to pull that bullshit on us? <laughs> we're going to pull it, and we're going to make it work in your face. They, the whole team, Foles included, and for a second, you know, for a backup quarterback who hasn't had a lot of playoff experience, he played fearless football. And Doug Peterson, as a second-year head coach, I thought was kind of remarkable. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like I'm saying about the Patriots. We we have this mysticism that we attach to Belichick and Brady that he's some sort of football god. Belichick is. He can be beaten. He was flat out out coached this game. Yeah. I mean, Brady threw for 500 plus yards, but but Belichick and and Matt Patricia, the the now current Lions coach, the d- defensive coach, they were flat out out coached, and you never see that happen. You could see on the sidelines when you watch the cameras on them that there were moments where they looked genuinely rattled, and you don't see that from that squad very often. Yeah, they, you, they've seen so much. They, they've been around the game. Belichick's been around the game since the 70s. You'd think he's seen everything, but Peterson was just throwing shit at him that he had never seen, or at least it did not have it, have it in his, his repertoire to be able to counter. It was, obviously, as, a, as an Eagles fan, as a long-time, long-suffering Eagles fan, the emotional release was second only to, I think, that team and those guys. And to watch Jeff Lurie accept that trophy and to watch those guys raise it up, it was, I, I, you know, for the very rarely do Eagles fans get the benefit of having the majority of the country on their yes. side because <laughs> we have a bad rep and the team has a bad rep. And uh, only against the Patriots could we have had the majority of people on our side. But it was fun uh, to be on the side of the good guys for this right right yeah and and the patriots i mean you know god bless them but they've they've had five super bowl they've got five rings uh they've been to eight they are absolutely a dynasty but you never know how much longer that's going to last and and i think that philly would be just fine being the team that put the stake in the heart of that vampire and and they were uh buzz thanks so much for making some time to spend with us this morning i appreciate it i know you're very busy when are you heading to uh, the olympics uh, in just a bit, I will be, uh, by the time that it is Tuesday afternoon, uh, American time, I will be in South Korea, and uh, you and I are going to be connecting from there. Yes, please. Travel safe, and we'll touch base, and we'll start talking Olympics in a little bit. I look forward to it. Thank you, buddy. That's Jay Busby from Yahoo Sports. Thank you, Jay. Meanwhile, not that I couldn't talk about this all day long, let's look at some other stuff in the news, like the showbiz news. Let's start with, uh, well, let's start with some of the commercials. In the big game yesterday, I thought it was great that Crockpot was represented. Uh, this has uh, stepped up and made some amends for 
the bad press they've given the crockpot by having the Milo Ventimiglia, star of that show, talk about a very special message about bringing people together, and the whole thing ended up being a promotional spot for crockpot, saying that crockpot was innocent and they weren't to blame, and even showed him scooping some delicious chili out of a crockpot. So I thought that was nice. Not not great commercials during the Super Bowl, I thought, last night. Um, I thought it was weird that Scientology had a spot during the Super Bowl. Uh, really? NBC? Except in the spots from ISIS, too, and the Moonies? And the other dangerous cults? I thought that was strange. A couple good spots, but uh, all in all, lackluster when it came to Super Bowl commercials this year. Congratulations to John Stamos. He and his fiancée, Caitlin McHugh, got married over the weekend. Um, they had a lovely wedding, which was at John's home in Beverly Hills. Of course, the whole thing was marred by a, a burglary that happened. Caitlin was staying at a hotel in Beverly Hills before the wedding, and apparently uh, when they got back to the room, they found out that burglars had taken $165,000 in jewelry had been snatched from her room. First of all, who's carrying around those kinds of stones I guess maybe she was going to wear them for the wedding but still that's a lot in jewelry but here's the thing Caitlin you got John Stamos and he's a goddamn national treasure that's the only jewel you need he's 54 years old he looks like he's 27 for god's sakes he's defying human nature by the way uh, Caitlin is 31 Stamos is 54 so well done for you too John did a nice work while we're talking about love and finding someone uh Becca M. from The Bachelor. You know how I feel about The Bachelor. And don't forget, tomorrow, a Bachelor update with me and my wife, Carrie. We're going to be uh, doing The Bachelor update tomorrow. But Becca M., she was discovered on The Bachelor, not by a talent scout or anyone, but someone in Humboldt County, California, who spotted her from the missing persons list. Apparently, her mother put her on the missing persons list. Rebecca told her mom in November that she was going to work on a marijuana farm and would see her in seven to eight days. Well, Mom never heard back from Becca, and so she called the sheriff's department and had her put on the missing persons list. It turns out she was going off to uh, film The Bachelor. That's where she was going. She wasn't working on a pot farm at all. So once the misunderstanding was worked out, uh, they tried to get a hold of the sheriff's department and straighten things out, but they couldn't find a sheriff, and so she remained on that list. Now that she has been identified as not missing, they're still trying to get her off the list. Uh, But as of yet, she's still on the Humboldt 35, as they're known. A lot of missing people in Humboldt County. By the way, if she had gone to work on a marijuana farm, that would have been so much better than spending any time with Ari the Dullard from The Bachelor. She would have been so much better off. I think she made a poor choice there. In music news, Lady Gaga has canceled the European dates of her Joanne World Tour. Sad news. Uh, she canceled shows in London, Manchester, Zurich, Cologne, Stockholm, Copenhagen, Paris, and Berlin. All this because of her severe pain that she's suffering. I don't know if you know this or not, but Gaga suffers from something called fibromyalgia, which is exceedingly hard to say when you're drunk, I've just realized. But she does suffer from that. It's sort of an inflammation of nerve endings throughout your body, and it is very painful. And doctors have recommended she come off the road and go home and heal up. So she had to cancel those tours, tour dates. And she feels awful, as you can imagine. She's a trooper. 
She said, I promise I'll be back in your city, but for now I need to put myself and my well-being first. I love you forever. She tweeted, and she will make up those dates. Uh, They say she's been suffering from fibromyalgia for some time now, but no one knew it because she has such a great p-p-poker face. P-p-poker face. (laughs) One of her popular songs is Poker Face. Speaking of music news, Lana Del Rey is in the news. Police thwarted a kidnapping attempt against her in Orlando, Florida. Apparently she was performing there this weekend and there was a man obsessed with her who wanted to kidnap her following her concert in Orlando and take her away to be with her forever. The Orlando Police Department said they thwarted Michael Hunt's alleged plan to kidnap her on Saturday. That's right. The alleged kidnapper's name is Mike Hunt. And uh, Mike Hunt was not able to get Lana Del Rey into his clutches and abscond with her. He wrote a bunch of creepy stuff on social media. That's how they first got tipped off. Wrote stuff on uh, his Facebook page. Like, I want to see my queen on Friday, and from that day forward, our decisions will be as one. And he wrote all kinds of creepy comments to her YouTube videos. So Mike Cunt really sort of tipped his hand when it came to kidnapping her. When they picked him up, by the way, he did have a weapon on him. He had a three-inch folding knife and a ticket to the concert, but he never made any contact with Lana Del Rey because they stepped in. And so, uh, luckily, that plan was thwarted. However, I have met Lana Del Rey. I've spent some time with her. And I really feel if Mike Hunt had any time, uh, really concentrated time with her, he would immediately return her to wherever he kidnapped her from because she's just she's just unbearable. From, from Mike Hunt to another, <laughs> I don't think he'd be able to put up with her. She's just, she's really arrogant. Let's talk about music, right? Let's talk about real music. I buried the lead when it came to music news. Let's talk about the fact that the motherfucking Spice Girls are getting back together again. You heard me. Oh, give me a little. Give me a little wannabe right now. Give me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they got together for a bunch of photos on social media. All of them: posh, ginger, baby, scary, and sporty. They are going to work together again. Now they won't tell us exactly what the plan is. Um, they're talking about perhaps a TV special, some endorsements, maybe a. Greatest Hits compilation, a series of upcoming projects. No word of whether there'll be any concerts or not. I've heard that uh, Posh, Victoria Beckham, doesn't want to sing, which uh, may be good news for all of us. So we're going to get more on this story later this week, by the way. Our UK correspondent, Steve Ashton, is going to get us all the latest scoop from the UK, home of the Spice Girls, of course, and we'll find out exactly what's going on. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Congratulations to Guillermo del Toro. He won the Top Directors Guild Award for his work in The Shape of Water, his new film. I've heard great things about this movie, by the way. I haven't chance to see it myself, but I've heard great things about it. My buddy Smith, Kevin Smith, has said that uh, he loves it. So I will definitely check it out. But look at the list of directors that he beat out for this award, for the Directors Guild Award. Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, which is getting raves. Martin McDonough, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I loved. Christopher Nolan's work in Dunkirk is remarkable. That is an amazing achievement in cinema. That whole film is just such an undertaking. And Jordan Peele's work for Get Out, also brilliant. But uh, Guillermo del Toro won, which uh, does not make me unhappy. I think he's pretty terrific, and I can't wait to see that film. And congratulations to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Glad to see he's getting some work. He is going to be working with NBC. He just sold a, uh, an idea to them 
an unscripted reality show called The Titan Games. He's going to produce and star in the show. I'm guessing he will host. The Titan Games is described thusly, an opportunity for everyday people to test mind, body, and heart. So this is an athletic competition show. The Titan Games will feature challengers from across the United States, each competing in an arena against one of six reigning Titans. A contestant who wins will take the defeated Titan's place as one of the show's half-dozen mainstays. At season's end, the six Titans will engage in an epic battle to determine male and female champions. Well, this is The Four. This is that singing competition show, The Four, on Fox, only it's athletic and it's six, so it's The Six. And if you knock one out, you get to stay on the show. That's how it works. The producer describes it as an incredible opportunity for people with stories like you and me to be able to shine in a platform that has never really been attempted before. Shut up. Shut up. It's American Gladiators meets the four is what it is. It's not new at all. Stop it. Today's celebrity birthdays, all these people born on this day, February 5th. Christopher Guest is 70 years old today. Damn. I love his films. Isn't he due? Isn't he overdue for one? When's the last Christopher Guest film we got? Uh, Tom Wilkinson is 70 years old. Tim Meadows from Saturday Night Live is 57. Jason Lee is 56. Laura Linney, 54 years old. Duff McKagan of Velvet Revolver and Guns N' Roses is 54. Chris Parnell's 51. Chris Barron of The Spin Doctors turns 50 years old today. Bobby Brown is 49. Michael Sheen, you know, from the Twilight films and Frost Nixon, Masters of Sex. Guys in everything. Tron, the rebooted Tron, 49 years old. And Darren Chris of Glee in that uh, new murder show over there on uh, FX about the Versace's. He's 31 years old today. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. Speaking of show business news, you know it always comes as a huge surprise to me, whether it was on radio or with Hollywood Babylon or with this, The Ralph Report. It's when I find out that there are celebrities that I admire who actually listen to the show. So you can imagine how taken aback I was when I found out that Sir Michael Caine in the UK is a Ralph Report subscriber. And although it seems like overall he likes the show, he did send this in because he's a little upset about how we use the English language in the States. So here's Michael Caine. Instead of using the term gift of gab, try using the correct term. It's gift of the gab, as in, that Ralph Garman really does have the gift of the gap. Try and bloody get it right. <laughs> All right, Mike, I will. Jeez, he's a tough customer. Um, now it is time for the special celebrity guest of the week. All week long, I'll be featuring highlights with my sit-down interview with this gentleman. An enormously talented guy, but also an incredibly nice guy. A friend of mine who you may know as the legendary Ducky from Pretty in Pink, and then, of course, went on to major success with one of the most popular sitcoms in television history, Two and a Half Men, talking, of course, about John Cryer. And uh, John is a terrific guy, smart guy. We had a great time hanging out and catching up in this conversation. And what you're going to hear this morning, the first of... The highlights this week is John talking, of course, about his career. He's been in the business for over 40 years. That's nuts. Started out when he was a very young man. Started on Broadway, of all places. But what I think you're going to find surprising in this interview segment is how smart this guy is and how fascinated and passionate he is about the criminal justice system. It's really fascinating. I think you're going to enjoy it. 
Here is today's highlight of my interview with Mr. John Cryer. You started when you were 12, I want to say? Do well, I have that right? Uh, or you decided you were going to be I decided when I was 12. Yeah, I had done a commercial when I was four years old. Wow. Uh, that my mom, basically my mom got the gig and they needed kids right. for, the, for the commercial. And uh, I was like, I'm a kid. Um, <laughs> but interestingly, my sister, uh, uh, who was a little bit older than me, uh, wanted nothing to do with it uh, hmm. at the time. And uh, in, in retrospect, she was probably the smart one. Uh, but uh, I don't know, John. You've done all right for I, yourself. I have, yes, I, I, I do. I, and I love the business. I make, I make fun of it. But, uh, but you know, I, I would do nothing else. Well, you had your ups and downs. Yeah. We'll cover those as okay. we get through great, these questions. In great detail. In great detail. What's your worst moment? But uh, <laughs> Dan Alicata sent this question. And he said, what was your biggest influence in acting? Was there a particular role or actor that you saw and it made you want to decide to be an actor from that point on. Was there was there a moment at twelve that something particular that you saw that triggered that desire, or was it just growing up in sort of a showbiz family with your mom and dad? Um, well, yes, my my parents are both uh, performers, and my mom's actually a playwright as well. Um, thank you, Dan, for that question. First of all, uh, it's an interesting uh, question that I don't get asked very often. Right, that's why uh, I like which, the listener questions because <laughs> yes, I would never you. have come up with that. Exactly. Um, well, Dan. Um, I would say I was mostly influenced by the child performers of the day, uh, uh, you know, the Mike Lookin' Lands. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> the, uh, you know, I, I, I would watch them and say, well, I could do that. <laughs> you um, wanted to be a Brady? I wanted to be a Brady. I wow. wanted to be a uh, Partridge Family. I, sure. I had no musical skill whatsoever, but my understanding was they didn't either. You're correct, sir. <laughs> so, uh, so I thought I had a shot there. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I loved television. I lived for it. Yeah. My mom would always say, one hour a day. And I was like, yeah, right, mom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, but I just loved it. I parked myself in front of the TV, and it was, it was my thing. And uh, to this day, I still, like, my son is that way about the computer and uh, with gaming and stuff yeah, like that. Sure. And part of me is like, i got to get this kid out and about and, and in life. But he found what he loves, <laughs> you know, and so I, I, we kind of get each other. It's amazing how you understand your parents' position on those things once you have a kid and you start to recognize all the things you did that they're doing, right? Yes, and my mother was, was I mean, it became the, the, the stock phrase was, uh, you know, let's go outside. You know, that was her thing. She would always take me out to the park and she would gamely try to like, uh, you know, we could practice pitching. We could we could play catch. And my mom doesn't know how to throw a baseball. <laughs> but you were a kid. You didn't either. <laughs> but that's true. I didn't either. <laughs> Uh, and and it was the effort. It was an incredibly sweet effort. New York City, kid? Yes. Yeah. New York City. So when you went outside, you had to go to the park, right? Uh, pretty much. Although we had, a, we had a group of kids that would just hang out on the corner. Uh, hoodlums, as, uh, <laughs> as they are called. <laughs> Rolling uh, people as they went by. <laughs> yes. Uh, we, no, we were, it was the Upper West Side of Manhattan. Which, uh, which I see. I see. Was, yes, which now is actually very hoity-toity. Yeah. But when I was a kid, it was actually kind of a rough neighborhood. Um, I mean, not you know, it was not uh, uh, you know, Bed Stuy, one hundred and eighty-sixth Street, but uh, uh, but it you know, it it, it, it I, I got mugged a few times. Did you really? Yeah, I got mugged a few times. Uh, uh, once when I had just bought my Micronauts action figures. Oh no! Uh, and that was crushing. They that got your action crushing. figures. I had. They got my action figures, and they got my money—the money I took to get the action figures. 
they didn't have to try very hard, I have to say. <laughs> I did not put up much of a fight. Well, who would? Uh, no, exactly, exactly. Was there, was there a weapon involved? There was no weapon involved. Oh. No, it was just two guys who, who pushed me up against a wall, and I just... So and give I, me your well, micronauts, kid. Exactly. <laughs> I just wanted to get it over with. And, you know, and they were kids, probably, you know, two... Two years older, right? But at the I mean, time, this seems like they're giants. Right? Exactly. Yeah. This is this is Goodfellas uh, <laughs> for me. I'm getting I'm getting assassinated uh, the next minute. But at any rate, uh, I loved growing up in New York. I still love it. I miss it. Um, and my mom still lives there, so I go back and visit whenever I can. It's a great city. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, next question. This comes from Jennifer Withers. And uh, I thought we'd kick off with this because we are doing a podcast together. But you are no stranger to podcasts. And I did not know this. Jennifer clued me in. But you are a regular on the Undisclosed Addendum podcast. Yes. Uh, which I don't know what that is. What? <laughs> I, I, I so I would love to, to know more it. about it. Uh, it uh, un- okay. You know the, the, the podcast Serial. Yes. Right. Which was uh, about the Adnan Syed uh, uh, murder right. case. Uh, he was a young man uh, convicted uh, of murder back in 1991. Uh, and uh, that serial uh, uh, showed that there was a lot of flaws in the state's case, and that it was very possible that Adnan Syed was, in fact, innocent. Right. Um, that case was brought to Sarah Koenig, the producer of uh, Serial, by a woman named Rabia Chowdhury, who's actually a, an attorney. Uh, and she and two other attorneys got together and started the Undisclosed podcast, which was looking m- much deeper into the case of Adnan Syed than... Uh, than had been done on the on the serial podcast. So an even deeper dive, an even deeper dive. Case. And in the course of that, they discovered the evidence that got him uh, got his conviction vacated. Wow, uh, which is astonishing. It is. Um, uh, it, they also made a, a remarkably uh, good and entertaining podcast along the way, and this is uh, remarkable uh, all the more because they had no experience in it. Uh, and, and well, the content must have been so compelling. I can imagine that it was. They discovered some really hair-raising, uh, re- you know, hair-raising stuff about the Baltimore Police Department, uh, the Baltimore DA. Uh, uh, one of whom, by the way, is, is actually running for office right now. So this has gotten very, very heated. Um, but uh, uh, and I was just a fan of the podcast. And at one point during uh, a thing called uh, Adnan uh, Syed was having a thing called a PCR hearing, which was basically where they were reviewing uh, his case to possibly overturn it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Rabia had been banished from the courtroom because she was possibly a witness. Oh. And at one point I, I uh, uh, emailed, or rather, I, 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 I think I, I talked to her on Twitter, and I, I said, hey, and I sent her the audiobook of my book, which I forgot to bring you. You were supposed to bring me a oh, copy. Oh, no, I have it. It's literally on my desk. Oh, I will drop it Lord. off. I will drop it off. I swear. I've been waiting for this book longer than it took you to write it. Yes, probably. And to live it, actually. <laughs> um, at any rate, I sent her the audiobook of my book because she was sitting in a Dunkin' Donuts cooling her heels for a day. Um, and uh, uh, Here's and, a little uh, something for you to enjoy while exactly, you're waiting. while you're waiting. And uh, she got thrown out. And, and so uh, a, a few weeks later, she contacted me and said, hey, we're doing, we want to do a talk show uh, on half of the podcast so that you know we have a, a show where we go into um, they go into new cases of wrongful conviction and they investigate them and they just just uh, recently in the case of Terrence Lewis found more evidence that will likely get his conviction overturned wow uh, so it's remarkable um, but they uh, they asked me to host sort of a talk show portion of the of the podcast and that's uh, that's what I do when I can and when I'm not uh, working right and uh, and that's been an amazing experience because 
you know, when you when you get exposed to w- what happens in the criminal justice system, uh, you know, and I'm just uh, an actor. I was just an idiot who was on Two and a Half Men. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you realize how much the entertainment industry created everybody's expectations and how that's warped. Uh, uh, how jury trials are done. That makes so nowadays. much sense because everybody in the jury thinks they're in 12 Angry Men. And... Or, yes, or, or CSI. They expect oh, evidence right. to be like CSI or they imp- impute the uh, uh, expertise of the, the superheroes they see on television mm-hmm. being the CSI investigators that they're, you know, that they, they can't make a mistake or that DAs are, you know, are, are, are always honest and, you know, it... it uh, or like, like I, I, the show I love, NCIS, love it, love it, love it. Uh, well, you're I, on it. I did. Yes, that's why you love it. Because well, they give no, you a check. No, that's you why. got it the, exactly the wrong way around. <laughs> I loved it. Then they put me on. I see. So there, Ralph. All Herman. right. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, at any rate, uh, uh, the the character uh, uh, Mark uh, Harmon's character. Uh, is known as a master interrogator, right? Uh, and he does he does he does shit on that show <laughs> that is so <laughs> illegal. The, on one of the episodes I was in, he stabbed a guy with a pen during That's an how interrogation. You get a confession. Exactly, John. Come on. Uh, uh, and and uh, and Whose side are you on? <laughs> exactly. The perps or justice? <laughs> and uh, you know you. you in the show, you 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 find yourself empathizing with Mark Harmon as he's stabbing this guy. But in real life, you realize that the, you know that'd be a line you might not want people to cross. Cross exactly. Life. And 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 actually, what's been fascinating is the the uh, number of DNA exonerations that have happened. You know, p- people uh, often people convicted of rape or other crimes get their uh, get exonerated by DNA, right. and it turns out they confessed. And that that it turns out that in about twenty five cases of DNA exonerate twenty five percent of cases of DNA exonerations, those people confessed to crimes they did not commit. So if you extrapolate that out, that means twenty five percent of people in are, general, uh, yeah, who are confessing to crimes could well be lying about it. So and, and you mm-hmm. assume that's through coercion or yes. stress or duress. Or yeah. Whatever. Well, the the read technique that they use for interrogations, uh, which is the the classic get on get them on your side, but then you know the good cop bad cop thing. Mm-hmm. All those things are you know they're enshrined and institutionalized. Turns out they're they're bullshit. They they don't really uh, they don't really work. Uh, and you know there's no. Uh, there's no scientific uh, uh, evidence that they work any better than than just talking to people. Hmm. So uh, you know that's and that's you know that's accepted policy for most police forces in the United States, and it it, it gets a lot of wrong uh, wrongful convictions. Have you always been sort of a true crime? Aficionado? Is this a bit an interest of yours, or oh, is this yeah. relatively new? No, as a, as a kid, I read Helter Skelter. Oh, I don't really? know if you did. Yeah, and that yeah. just terrified well, me. Yes, it's Charles Manson, <laughs> Charles of course, Manson. it would terrify you. Um, but I also, I, I'm just fanc- fascinated with the process, and now I'm fascinated with the process of the justice system because it's it's taking incredibly um, uh, areas of uh, uh, where there's a lot of gray areas mm-hmm. and trying to codify it. Right. So that there's some sort of process that's fair to everybody, but every situation is so different. Yeah. And I really, I have a huge amount of empathy for police officers because they have to make these decisions on the fly. Yeah. You know, in very uh, high stress situations. Very high stress situations. And so I, you know, I, I you know, while very often uh, the podcast has uncovered police misconduct, I try to let people know. I, you know, believe me, I understand. You know, being a police officer is a is a brutal, difficult job, and they need. 
they need to be trained better. Yes. You know, right now, uh, uh, hairstylists, it takes three years for them to get their hairstyling license. Uh, most police officers spend six months in the police academy. Wow. So, and, that, and I'm not saying that these police officers are bad or, you know, I'm saying they need more training. Yes. They and sometimes need, the misconduct is inadvertent. They're not even oh, aware that they're doing the wrong thing yeah. in, in the heat of the moment. Or, or it's just completely a part of the, the system of the way that, that uh, their police, uh, you know, their, right, their, their departments work. Stuff, their peers, yeah. just, this is just the way it's done. Uh, in many jurisdictions. So, at any rate, it's been fascinating. Uh, it's weird. It's a bit of a downer for people. Who, no, it's and, fascinating. Uh, you should have uh, been a lawyer, though, man. You would have uh, been a good lawyer. Oh, well, I, 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 you know, it's, it's an enormous amount of, amount of paperwork and usually incredibly boring. Yeah. Well, well, my father told me when I told him I wanted to be an actor, he said, be a lawyer. You can do your acting in front of a jury. That'll be your audience, and you'll get up, and it's the same thing. <laughs> and he was right. I should have done it. <laughs> A special thank you to all my four-star generals who contributed questions to Ask John Cryer during that interview. That's one of the uh, upsides of being a four-star, is you get to contribute questions to the celebrities that I interview. And uh, speaking of my generals, I do want to let everybody know that today was another freebie. I put this episode out there in the world so folks could hear it and maybe be inclined to become patrons of the Ralph Report, but also to celebrate the Philadelphia Eagles' victory. So if you liked what you heard today and you're not a subscriber... Go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report and sign up because you're going to want to hear the rest of this week. I'm telling you, not only do we have the rest of my interview with John Cryer, uh, but also I'm going to get my ass waxed this week. You don't want to miss out on that. My wife and I, of course, will be doing our Bachelor Report tomorrow. Also, we'll check in with UK correspondent Steve Ashton and find out what's going on with those Spice Girls. All that and so much more. Thanks so much for being here with me today and holding my hand through my hangover and through today's show. You guys are the best. I love you. I mean it. Bye.